All right. <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm preaching tonight from Luke chapter 24. And um, yeah, so it's the, the travellers on the road to Emmaus. So to give you context really quickly, this is Easter Sunday. This is the morning of Jesus' resurrection. Good Friday's happened. Jesus has died. The Sabbath day on the Passover weekend has happened. And that's when everyone was just waiting. What's going on? Now we're at Easter Sunday. Now it says in the first couple of verses of, of Luke 24 that um, the Marys, Mary Magdalene, and there, there are a couple of Marys that followed Jesus' um, ministry. They went to the tomb, but it was empty. And they went back to the apostles and said, the tomb's empty. And um, some, of the, some of the apostles, the disciples, then went and ran ahead as well to, to see for themselves. Because, you know, surely not. The man was buried two days ago. Surely his tomb isn't empty. So in Luke, it jumps over then to the story of these, these two travellers. And I'm picking up in verse 13, if you're following along in your Bible or on your, um, on your phone or app. So chapter 13 of Luke 24 says, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about 11 kilometres from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself, remember, tomb's empty, and these guys somewhere else are travelling to Emmaus. Now, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognising him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast, One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? Have you been living under a rock for the last two days? That's what he was asking him. What things, says Jesus, because God has a sense of humour. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are, how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. For it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in and stayed with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread. He gave thanks. He broke it. They shared communion. Then their eyes were opened and they recognised him. And then he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us? While he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven 
and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognised by them when he broke the bread. That's an amazing account. That, that, that really sort of gets me. Jesus called someone back to where they should be. Yeah? Did you pick that bit up? I want to talk tonight about the lessons I learned from following Cleopas on the road to Emmaus. So here were two people, Jesus' followers. The Bible doesn't even give us clear uh, indication exactly who they were. We only know that one was Cleopas and his travelling partner. That's, that's all we know. There's, you know theologians have, have supposed fairly you know, different things, but we don't know fully. So we have two nobodies going somewhere unimportant, and then Jesus. Yeah? So it's easy to read this and go, yeah, okay, cool story. Jesus came, chatted with them, he had a meal, disappeared. That's fairly normal, you know? Yeah, it's good, huh? <laughs> so let me show you what the big deal is. So the first lesson that I got out of this is that life is unpredictable. So be ready. Our travellers had been in Jerusalem for the annual Passover celebration, a massive Jewish festival. So it, it really it could be likened to, to the grandeur of like the American Independence Day. It was huge. You could, you could say it was kind of like Anzac Day, but it was a celebration as well. Like that, that's sort of the kind of weekend it was. Well, it was, it, was, you know, it was a week, it was everything. This one, this weekend went south in a pretty big way. Throughout the weekend, there were near riots in the city surrounding Jesus. He was betrayed by a corrupt follower. He was arrested the night of Passover. He was put on trial during the night. And just think about that. When was the last time that a midnight trial was a fair one? You know, a bit of ad hoc sort of ad hoc law application. Early the next morning, he ended up being sentenced to death. And it was so bad that in place of releasing Jesus, the frenzied crowd asked the the Roman governor to release Barabbas, who was a murderer. So we have Jesus, one who's basically threatening tradition, and we have a murderer. And the crowd was that frenzied against Jesus that they said, give us Barabbas. And the Roman governor relented. This is context. And I'm missing a lot of detail. It was an intense weekend. Jesus who was sent from God, was killed by the order of the Roman governor to pacify the will of Jewish religious leaders who didn't want him to ruin tradition and positions that they had set up for themselves. The followers of Jesus would have been reeling. What on earth just happened here? Have you heard Jeremiah 29, 11? Yeah? I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. That's really awesome. That's really encouraging. And I'm sure the disciples thought of that very verse. (laughs) You reckon? What happens when you thought you were in line with God's will? And then you get blindsided. It's confusing. It's... I don't know. What What happens here? I'll tell you a story if, I can, if you can indulge me. 14 years ago, I left this town that I grew up with and moved down to Lismore to study music. 
about November the year prior, this, we're talking a yeah, long time ago, about November the year prior, I had to go down to, for an interview for university. I went down there, went to my interview. This was a contemporary music degree. I know squat about music theory at this point. I'm a, I'm a self-taught bass player, and I'm there to get my hands on sound gear. And I'm going to an academic university. Great plan, James. So I go down there. I have to go through a music theory exam, which I bombed. Absolutely bombed it. I had an interview with the production lecturer. And during that, le- that lecture, he said to me, I'm not allowed to tell you, but you'll be in. <sighs> cool. I bombed the music theory, like bad. But I'm in to university anyway. Thanks, God. I'm killing time downtown Lismore waiting for the bus and I cruise into a music shop and um, spoke to a guy, Andy's his name, and he was from a church. In fact, the guy who owned the music shop was from that same church. Andy worked for him. Andy was the, the production tech sort of guy in the shop. And, it was, and, and to put in context, this was the time when, just before we bought this place here, when I, I served at Grace for years, for, for six years while I was still in town when Grace existed. And just before I left town, we were buying this place. For six years I was setting up and packing up. And here I am. I've been accepted into university, unqualified. And this, this guy at a music shop is going, well, we've, we've, we're just doing the finishing touches on our, on our PA install and we're moving in mid-January. I'm moving, in, I'm moving down there in February. This is awesome. This is great. Thanks, God. I moved back up. Oh, sorry, I travelled back up, finished my last few months in Meribah, moved down here, moved down there. And I went to the first Sunday there, and they were really nice people. And I have no doubt that some of them were Christian, but some of the stuff they were teaching... In, in fact, in fact, I'll say the this, this Sunday was different. I can deal with a different church, you know. I'm in a new town. Something's going to be different. The, the pastor invites me to his place on the Tuesday night and for three hours we talked. And in that time he explained to me, according to what he believed, I wasn't saved. My folks weren't saved. My pastor wasn't saved. I'm alone in a new town. I thought I was in line with God's will. And then what? I thought it was all lining up. But what's the deal? Tuesday night I go home. Wednesday morning, uni hasn't started yet. It's, it's orientation week starts the next week. So I've got nothing to do. I don't know anyone in the town. And what I thought was God's setup just blew up in my face and left me worse than I started. I don't think I'm the only one who's had a similar sort of experience. And I'm not talking about the church, but that, that everything's lining up, everything's lining, everything's lining up, boom, off the end of the cliff. Yeah. The Wednesday, I didn't speak to anyone. The Thursday, I think I called someone, I called a friend from back home and they answered the phone. And it was, it was a good friend, she answered the phone. And as I started to say hello, I broke down. It was, it was that friendly voice, because I was alone, because it didn't go to plan. 
I didn't know what to make of it. So if this sounds familiar, if this situation sounds familiar, you're in good company. This is where Cleopas and his travel mate were at. Yeah? I don't blame them for leaving Jerusalem. I don't blame them for shooting through and going home. This is too much. God, we were in Jerusalem. We were there. We served. We, we, we couldn't get into the Last Supper, but we were right with you up to then. It's all too much. They left. I'm not even going to say that they did anything wrong by leaving. They just did, you know. So here's the next thing I learned from Cleopas. That being down is understandable, but that you can't stay there. So they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. This is back in Luke 24. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognising him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Are you the only one? Where have you been? When Jesus asked them what things, what things he asked, why? Why did Jesus ask them, what's been going on, guys? As if he didn't know. Have you ever felt like God asked you the questions that he already knows? Why would he not just reveal himself for real and then just get them to come back? Hey guys, I'm here. Come on back. You know what I mean? Like, like that would make sense to us, would it not? He's always seeking to connect with us. He wanted them to express where they were at. This is where I feel the importance of this. He wanted them to articulate what they understood. He wanted them to talk. He wanted them to be processing it. Did you notice then what he did next? (laughs) He had a crack at them. He corrected them. He corrected their frame of mind. You need to be real about where you're at. Cleopas said this about Jesus' life. He was a prophet. We had hoped he was the only one who he was the one who would redeem Israel. And what is more, it is now the third day. He's saying it's too late. God's missed his chance. There's, we, we, we stuffed something up and we weren't right. Like something went wrong. We didn't have enough faith, maybe. All these things. Some of our companions went down to the tomb, but they didn't see Jesus. These are the things that, that Cleopas said. So the next thing we need to know from this lesson is we need, don't be daft. Don't be daft. Know God's word. Know the Bible. It's given to us for a reason. We need to know it. Jesus listened to them. He understood their feelings. But he said to them, how foolish you are. How slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. That's some harsh words to someone who's just had their hopes dashed, yeah? Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things? Shouldn't you know this? This is all in the scriptures. 
The Old Testament is full of prophecies from ancient prophets about the coming Messiah and his mission. One of the more famous ones, and I, I would almost guarantee it, I don't know, but I, I would almost guarantee that Jesus would have, would have quoted this one from Isaiah 53.5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Like, that's one of the more famous prophecies. There's hundreds of them in the Old Testament. I remember, I don't know the numbers, but someone, someone uh, got through a, status, uh, a statistician, if that's the right word, got through this prophecy and this prophecy and this prophecy. And, you know, they even said he was going to be born in Bethlehem. They said he was going to be born of a virgin. Like, like the Old Testament's full of prophecies saying, this is what Jesus is going to be like, or the Christ, the Messiah, the saviour of the Jews is going to be like. And, and the, the statistics, the, the, the probability of all of those prophecies being actually true is in the millions you're better off buying one lottery ticket for your entire life and you've got more chance of it happening the prophecy says that the messiah would be pierced crushed and wounded this is jesus emphasis if you believe how can you be so slow when the prophets have already told you this. He's, he's, that's, that's, the, that's the point. It might seem harsh, but he's, he's talking about absolute truth. We believe that as Christians. There is such thing as an absolute right, an absolute wrong. There are scales of all different things, but when it comes to Jesus being the Son of God, that is an absolute truth. It cannot be altered, changed, watered down, anything. It is truth that cannot entered into when we believe in God some people deny it that doesn't change whether it's true I don't like someone's opinion someone may think I did something wrong I may not like that but they may be right if they are speaking truth there is truth Don't be daft. I think I say this pretty regularly when I speak, but I'm not going to um, downplay that the, import, the importance that the Bible has to the growing of your faith and your connection to God. I truly believe that. Get in the Bible. If you think the Bible's boring, you haven't read it. You're boring. Read the Bible. There's a lot of stuff in there. Once you've come to the point of accepting that you need God's forgiveness for who you are, that Jesus' life, death and resurrection are essential to begin your relational connection to God, then the next step is developing an understanding of his nature and his will as found in the Bible that he has given to us. We must read the Bible. I'll say it again. I'll say it again. My story earlier when I moved to Lismore and the thing that I reflect on that is looking in hindsight at that situation, God used that to show me the importance of knowing what the Bible says. To show me what the Bible says about faith, salvation and Jesus. What the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit isn't. It's really important to know these things. 
I was young. When, when you're young, I know this. I, I remember before I moved away, a bunch of us young people would, would, do, would do a church crawl on, on Sunday morning. The beauty of being a night service. We'd cruise around different churches because we didn't care about denomination. And that's cool. That's a really great attitude. But you still need to know where truth is. That's all I want to say. So I know now that that story was part of my faith journey. That was part of me learning what was and wasn't of God. So moving on. Our travellers, they got to Emmaus. And Jesus, forever the... uh, the, uh, one for the, for, the, for the show of things sometimes. He decided, oh, are you going? Yeah, I'm just still going. Are you going to invite? Why don't you say, oh, I thought you'd never ask. They invited him in for a meal. They didn't want to stop the good time. They've been having such a good time. So and this is my next lesson, that we need to look for community connection. We need to find godly connections. Have you ever met with people, had conversations with people that you barely know, but it's just the best time? About 18 months ago, I met some people who randomly needed a place to stay after their car blew up as they were heading home to Brisbane. Long story short, they stayed with Jess and I for a few days. I thought I was doing them a favour. What an encouraging, amazing, uplifting time it was. I don't know these guys very well yet, They've stayed with us again since. But I, I so value their, their attitude towards God. They're a young couple with a young family and they are just straight down the line God followers. And that is awesome. They are, he's younger than me, but I've got something to learn from him. You know, those kind of people. Thank God for these people in situations like that. That's what happened to Cleopas, is it not? They had a great time with Jesus, not knowing it was him even so. It's been so good to chat with you, mate. It's almost dark. You're not going to keep going, are you? Come on in. Go on, stay with us. This teaches me that we need to be open and even be on the lookout for opportunities of hospitality. This should not be limited to Sunday services. If you look at the early church in Acts, it says the believers met together daily. Sunday only is not enough community for believers. We've talked about it already tonight, the situation with coronavirus. We are, we are on podcasts these days, so if anyone's listening to us in 10 years' time... It's a big virus that's happening around the world right now. (laughs) Maybe someone's listening to it in 10 years' time. (laughs) That's right, that's right. So, but isn't it amazing that we live in a time with phones, messages, social media, the internet? And that's not a topic you've heard me say before, really, is it? I'm usually the first one to deride the negative effects of social media. But that doesn't mean we can't use it for real connection. All over the globe right now, churches, 
This is really cool, and I, I've, I'm part of a few tech groups and things like that. Churches are experimenting with digital technology to put their services online to maintain and even build their community. That's happening in the last two weeks because of coronavirus. How cool is that? I've seen post after post on tech forums of churches getting ready, you know, tech guys going, we're trying this and that. What are you guys, what platform are you guys using? What have you looked into? What have you that? They're getting ready to mobilise this new digital church. Just in case they can't meet together. In fact, Life Church in the US, this is one church I really respect and follow. They're Craig Rochelle's the pastor. They are the church that developed the Version Bible app. For, for anyone who doesn't know, which is, which is on something like 300 million devices all over the world, for free. They had a chance to monetize it. They didn't. You know why? Because Greg Rochelle got given a Bible by the Gideons when he was in college. That's why the Version Bible app is free. Side note, that really inspires me. This church has also de- uh, developed an online platform for churches. So not just, not just the streaming side of things, but chat windows and, and connection points, the, the, the web page setup. This church has developed it and says, here you go, have it for free. And you know what's interesting? Jess was, we, we often sort of listen to their messages on a Sunday morning. Jess was listening. Craig Rochelle actually got quarantined as well, which was amusing. Yeah. And he said that that Open, open Network Churches, which is the name of that platform, has had, in the last week, 700 churches connect, extra churches connected to them. On top of their 11,000 already that they give away for free for churches to build community. There's some awesome stuff happening in our world, in our church. Capital C Church. I digress. We need to get active with this. It's possible we may not be able to, we, we may not be able to meet on a Sunday. It's possible. We don't know. It's possible. The coronavirus, however, can't be sent down your screen and it can't be sent down the phone line. So let's assume for a second, not because we're living by fear, let's assume that the worst does happen for hypothetical. You've got all the time in the world to call someone. You've got all the time in the world to comment. You've got all the time in the world to share preaching. You've got all the time in the world to get in your Bible and read. You've got all the time in the world to pray, pray, pray. Yeah. Start a conversation with someone. I recommend, and this is my wife's suggestion and I like it, how's your faith been lately? I'm not saying say that to the Joe Blow down the street. You know what I mean? Like, like I do that sometimes. I, I, I'm great at superficial conversations. How's the weather? How's work? I can, I can talk about nothing for a long time. But if you want to connect with someone, you've got to go deeper. How is your faith? Has God been showing you something lately? That sort of stuff. Sometimes these random situations lead to amazing God moments and are such great encouragement to your faith. Hebrews 13, 1 and 2 says, Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing. Yeah. 
We don't know what God's doing. We don't know the intricacies of his plan and his works. We are just called to live and love. It's now dinner time in Cleopas's house. And this is, we're getting to the climax. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to, gave it to, them, and began to give it to them. Their eyes were open and they recognised him and he disappeared from their sight. That's not weird at all. So here's my other lesson. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. And we need to trust that God is working even if we can't see it. Jesus is here. They couldn't believe it. Have you noticed, like I did with my situation down in Lismore, that only with hindsight can you see how God was working? So trust him now, even if you can't see it. Verse 32 says, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning? They could feel it. There was something there. Were not our hearts burning when we were talking? They would have been beside themselves. How did we not notice this? It was him? Are we daft? How did we not notice that Jesus of Nazareth has been chatting with us for the past four hours? He even, he even gave us a serve and we didn't notice anything particularly... What? Why did Jesus meet Cleopas on the road? This is why. Jesus doesn't want you to miss out. That's why. Jesus took a detour from his resurrection schedule. He rose from the dead. He destroyed the chains that our sinful nature has on all of us. He proved power over evil, that it is defeated. What did he do then? On his way to meet Peter, James, John, all the disciples. Those people have been with him, struggled with him, served with him for three years. He was killed two days ago, two and a half days ago. You reckon he'd be in a hurry to go and show the victory? He's resurrected? You'd think he'd be in a rush? He's already appeared to a couple of women, which context, socially, women aren't regarded. So to appear to women before men is like, what's going on for starters? And then he's not there when Peter arrives. He's already shot off. Because he detoured to go and see Cleopas. That we don't even know who he is. He detoured because he had to go and meet him and bring him back. I want you to picture in your head being in the room with these guys at Cleopas' house. They suddenly realise after hours of talking that this bloke is Jesus. They're so overwhelmed by this. They decide they have to go back to Jerusalem now. It's almost dark. It's 11 kilometres along a dusty, dirty, rocky road. And they're going to hightail it straight back. Because Jesus. It says, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and he appeared to Simon. 
Then, they told, then, then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was, was recognized by them when he broke the bread. And here's a verse that I haven't showed you yet. It's the very next verse. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Hi, it's me. What an image. An amazing timing. We just saw him. We've run all the way back. Hi, Jesus. As we finish up, these are our lessons. Life is unpredictable. Be ready. Being down is understandable, but you can't stay there. Don't be daft to have access to the inspired word of God and not actually look at it and understand it. Look for our community connection. Find those godly people around you that can encourage you and challenge you. Jesus is here right now, right in your situation. We just need to trust that he's, he's got it, that he's working. And finally, the reason Jesus does, on, does all this is because he doesn't want you to miss out. He, take, he takes that detour for you every single time. Do you want Jesus to meet you where you're at? Because he does. He wants to connect with you. He wants you to believe. He wants you to have the kind of urgency about your faith that would make you get up in the evening and run 11 kilometres even if you're not Glenis Foley. He wants you with the urgency that would make you run back to where you should be. Run. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is calling you back to him. And what are you going to do about it? Cleopas and his mates were believers. This message is not a come and be saved solely message. This is not just if you don't know God. Cleopas knew Jesus. He just needed to Jesus to call him back to where he should be. You could still be reeling at what life is throwing at you. You can be confused. You can be unsure about what has happened. Maybe you're already talking to God, but you just don't recognize it as God. No matter what it looks like, I believe this is the best prayer for right now. God, help me take the next step. Help me take the next step. I just want to say that it is an honour to share God's word to you. And I do appreciate the opportunity. If you would like to respond by coming forward, I'll pray for you. Some of our leadership will pray for you. If you want to sit in your seat and come and talk to someone afterwards, we can do that too. The point is you need to respond if you need to respond. 
in whatever way you feel necessary, talk to God. And you can do it by yourself too. But we would love to do it with you. As we do this last one, feel free to come forward. Thank you, God, for this opportunity. Thank you, God, for this community. Thank you, Jesus, that you came. Thank you, Jesus, that you sacrificed yourself to reach us. And thank you that you will detour for us every single time.